Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm Ross Chevalier. Hey, listeners, as this year winds down, I thought to share my industry observations over 2023 prior to a follow-on episode with informed prognostications for 2024. The first thing that I observed and heard at high volume from other musicians was the annoyance for the seemingly endless increase of prices for everything. Companies cannot blame supply chain anymore, but they do, and they use that invalid excuse for jacking prices up with American builders leading the charge to, well, you guessed it, to charge more for exactly the same thing. I did not see a quantitative increase in wages for the employees, and as component prices have settled, I can only conclude that the driver is the company pushing the envelope to find out where the buyer will finally say, nope, no more. This stupidity extends to asking price on resale outlets like Reverb. Reverb does demand more from its sellers, and there are a huge number who think that anything is worth more than what they paid for it, even if bought only months ago. Others operate under the delusion that by calling something old, vintage, it increases in value. This is only true if the marketplace agrees, and while there are still some dimwits willing to overpay, equipment is staying unsold for longer. And then we see significant drops in the asking price, and then the gear still doesn't sell. If you think anything is worth the asking price on Reverb, you're wrong. If there is something you want, make a low offer and see what happens. Maybe the answer is no, but you might receive a counter that suits. If not, walk away. Demand for used instruments is in the toilet, so you can likely come back later and get what you want for a lower price. Map pricing, or minimum advertised price, is adored by manufacturers and distributors, and some shops like it too. However, it makes the market uncompetitive, and that's akin to price fixing. Customers are now asking for discounts up front once they decide to buy, and walking if an amenable price is not agreed to. You should ask for and get at least 10% off map on any regularly priced guitar or bass. But wait if you can for those sale dates when the seller may get a rebate from the maker that allows them to publicly go below map. Do understand, a seller can sell at any price that they want. Map just means that they cannot advertise it. They don't have to sell at map, even though they may say they do. Store margins on name brand instruments is always around 30%. Many times it's more based on committed purchase volume. But no seller should be expected to sell for cost or low margin. They have significant expenses, particularly smaller shops that do not have a lessons program, which is, in fact, a profitable venture. However, 
when the maker offers a direct sale that bypasses their own dealer channel, the maker makes more profit and effectively is in direct competition with their own dealers. Customers are proving that they increasingly don't care about local shops. I think that such people are short-sighted fools, but you're all free to approach this as you wish. For me, the smaller shops are much more service-oriented, while the big-box sellers care less and typically hire the cheapest, rudest, and most incompetent people. You know who I'm talking about. Online-only sellers are somewhat different because they understand that the opening bid is the price. It's the primary driver. And so to win business, they have to do more. I give credit to Sweetwater as an example of one online seller that gets it. While the word boutique is about as credible now as the word vintage or authentic or iconic, there still are very small makers who do all the work themselves and only make as much as they can personally do. These small makers are not going to be found in guitar shops because by the time they pay distribution and retail margins, they may not have enough money left over to be sustainable. So they're going direct. The challenge has been, and will probably continue to be, that it's sometimes harder to find these makers until they get known. But you can get superior products, top-line sales and support, and build a direct relationship with the maker. I think of bare-knuckle pickups, Kurt Mangan strings, and David Kowalski, who makes these wonderful little tiny tube amps, as great examples of the kinds of companies that you want to deal with directly. Innovation from the big makers is now better described as a different paint job. Fender and Gibson couldn't spell innovation anymore unless it came out of a rattle can. Sadly, this is now extending down to pedal makers whose biggest excitement in 2023 was an existing pedal with a new paint job. Even if you like the pig, it's still just new lipstick. Makers in Asia are making better instruments than ever before. We've known for some time that Court and WMI do great work. But the factories in China making squires and epiphones are producing great instruments, easily as good as the American builds, which come in at five to ten times higher in their price point. Yeah, it's true that sometimes the pickups aren't so hot or the tuners are a bit stiff, but these are easy fixes if you find something that actually bothers you. The prices on this gear is going up because it is actually so very good and because the original maker has pushed their prices beyond the stratosphere. You can get a fabulous guitar made in China that plays great right out of the box that comes with stainless steel frets, fretboards made out of actual wood, and very good China factory versions of known brands where the brand actually owns or pays for that factory. A good example might be the folks at Grover. Eart, Orangewood, and others 
brands of guitars, typically sold only through Amazon or online stores, deliver incredible value with great sound and no label tax. My own Squire Classic Vibe 50s Telecaster was better out of the box than a similar guitar made at Fender Mexico or at Fender USA. When I bought the Squire, I compared it in store to a Mexican build and an American build. And from a fit and finish perspective, it was easily as good. In fact, it sounded great. The American built model was the most expensive and actually needed the most work. A Fender logo on the headstock was not worth the over $2,000 Canadian price premium I would have had to pay for a Fender USA version. The musical instrument industry was down overall in 2023. The final numbers aren't out yet, but you can see it on the shelves in the shops. The inventory tags that have been hanging for years, not weeks or months, and the obscene amount of dust on many instruments. 2023 was the worst Black Friday for sales in a long time. And I've discovered that many Black Friday only sales became the Christmas sales overnight. It's not even Christmas as I write the script for this podcast, and already every seller in my area has already posted their Boxing Day sales, which look suspiciously just like the Christmas sales. For some of my U.S. listeners who are not familiar with Boxing Day, it's a British tradition that extends to Canada, whereby goods that were bought to be sold at Christmas and didn't sell might be discounted afterwards to bring in some revenue, help pay the bills, and also to sell off any open box items. I'm already seeing after Christmas sales in the U.S. being advertised, but where the term Boxing Day is not used. As retail stores have to place orders now up to a year in advance, there's a ton of inventory hanging on walls and in warehouses. Black Friday was well off target, and having observed traffic and talking to sales professionals, Christmas 2023 is way off target. I'm worrying for these shops come January and February. Most sellers get 30 days before the invoices are due, although there are some exceptions, but the days of makers putting up long-term invoice terms died a long time ago. You can look at any store in any mall right now and make decent guesses which stores will be gone by February. Mall space is expensive. Both shoes and clothing work at 400% markup, with jewelry running as high as 2,000%. When these kinds of gross profits cannot sustain operations, what happens to the local music shop living on 35% gross overall? I mentioned makers going direct earlier. Sometimes this is due to having too much inventory on hand, as is the case with the present PRS SE sales. PRS is driving the sales through its dealers and rebating them the difference on future orders as the instruments they have were bought at the higher price. But with Fender, Gibson, and Martin, it's a different thing. I've been told by operators of music shops that goods that have been on order from an unnamed by me, maker for over six months, are shipping the next day direct from that maker, direct to a buyer, if the buyer orders online from the maker directly. 
I've also been told that goods that were committed have suddenly been removed from a shipping allocation and have been used to fulfill a direct purchase. The manufacturer makes more money selling direct than going through a dealer. This would be a really bad time to open a music shop and choosing to depend on the manufacturers to deliver on time and without undercutting you directly. Thus, while this episode is not my 2024 predictions episode, you've already figured out what one of them is going to be. There's already a glut of inventory on hand at manufacturers, at distributors, and in music shops. They're all going to be hunting revenue. So expect to see sales. But be cautious, because the sale price in February might just be today's map price after the maker jacks the price up for the same old, same old. I hope that you found this episode interesting. Thanks as always for listening. Don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of new content. Please leave a comment or send in a question. I read and respond to all. If you haven't checked out the articles at thatguitarlover.com, please have a look. There's material there that just doesn't fit a podcast. For the podcast at thatguitarlover.com, I'm Ross Chevalier, and I bid you peace.